Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode 373, recorded September 25th, 2022. So today, Star Trek Mirror War ends for us, and we start Star Trek Picard Stargazers. We get the last issue of one series and the first issue of the other. Right. And the timing of Picard is good, at least for us, because... um, the next season is going to be coming out not too far in the future. Right. What, February? Is it February, March? Right. But this comes to the to the bad thing about being caught up on books is that you know, now we have to wait a month to find out what happens after Picard issue number one. It's mm. a long mm. time to wait. I kind of like being behind where we could just like do the first three. Binge? Then, yeah. It's nice to binge. Right, so, but we're caught up now, so... We're going back to our roots, Donovan. This is the way it always was when we were kids. <laughs> it's true. But what's cool is that Star Trek, even, uh, you know, Star Trek on TV has about an issue, uh, uh, an episode a week for the most mm-hmm. part. Yep. And uh, it seems like IDW's kind of fallen suit where they're going to have like four or five issues a month of various Star Trek series. And so... Oh, I'm all for that. when you go across all the different series. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so the, there's... Uh, they got a lower decks going on. There's going to be another uh, one based on the new upcoming video game. Um, and uh, by the end of the year, Strange New Worlds will have a series going. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a good time to be a comic book fan. Yes. A Star Trek comic book fan. Indeed. But, uh, but yeah, so uh, Ken, you want to end, uh, end Mirror War and see how it all kind of wraps up? Or even if it does wrap up. Oh. Right. And, and it of definitely course, is, takes place after that last issue. Exactly. So we already saw how the Mirror War story ended, but here's a little backstory thrown in for extra credit for Troy. So we can find out about how did Troy come to be with uh, Picard and Company. Yep. Uh, in the Mirror Universe. So she obviously was not a member of uh, the Terran Empire. Well... Well, okay, let's just find out. Okay. Let's just do it, shall let's, we? Let's do it. Okay. We got three covers. Um, cover A features a very attractive drawing of Troy, confidently staring back at the reader with her left hand extended and on top of a sphere that I assume is meant to be Earth or uh, maybe something representing the entire Terran Empire. It's just kind of like a black orb thing. Cover by J.K. Woodward. Cover B features a very stylized drawing of Troy in profile with prodigious amounts of curly flowing hair. And that covers by Ajiwa Anebi. Yes, Anebi. The retailer incentive cover features Troy's head in the upper half of the cover with a smaller Picard head in the lower right corner. The stargazer is shown streaking over a green planet, kind of in the middle left. Covers by Tom Ralston. Troy is standing in the Terran Empire's throne room as most of the people present are raising their glasses in a toast to the latest leader of the Terran Empire, Emperor Riker. Troy is not toasting. She is unhappy with her place in the world. She is in the room with power, but she should be where that scheming shrew Shelby is, next to Emperor Riker on his dais. She thinks back on all the decisions she made that brought her to this place and time. On her home planet of Beta Zed, her ambition, smarts, and family connections brought her to the lofty station of planetary administrator. But there was always something adding sand to the Vaseline. Insurrectionists insurrectionists unhappy with their place in the world since her decision to surrender Beta Zed 
to the Empire rather than fighting their inevitable invasion. Her decision saved many lives and enriched herself uh, and people close to her, but the general population took the brunt of what Administrator Troy gave away to the Empire in tribute. She tries to use force to quell the rebels, but they are so far too numerous and devious to be wiped out so easily. Her senior advisor, Luessi, almost sounds like she thinks the insurrectionists are correct about Troy, how she screwed the common Beta Z citizen. Troy will have to deal with her later. Word comes through that the ISS Stargazer is approaching Beta Z with damage and are requesting aid in making repairs. Troy gives the command to reply to them with greetings and felicitations. They will receive all the aid they need and be Beta Z's honored guests. Later, at the Delaria spaceport, Troy and her advisors meet a shuttle from the Stargazer containing Captain Picard and several of his officers. Security Chief Yar has her people search Troy and her people for weapons. Picard signals his distrust of all mind readers. From an outside hall, directed energy weapons fire enters and hits one of Troy's security people. Insurrectionists enter the landing pad area, firing and spouting death to the Empire and their puppets. During the fight, Troy demonstrates her value of her mind-reading abilities when she saves Picard from a rebel's fire. As Picard and Troy are side-by-side shooting rebels, Troy thinks back to how she and her advisor came up with their current deception. The rebels are actually her own people dressed up as rebels and acting the part. After the fake rebels are dispatched, Troy makes her play to get Picard to help her put down the real rebel threat. She does not want the Empire to leave. She wants them to stay and prop up her weak government. Or so it appears. She tries to convince Picard that Beta Z mind readers, as he derisively calls them, can be a benefit to the Empire beyond mere tax and tributes. A way to know what your enemies are planning before they can strike. For Picard personally, she can uncover disloyal crew members and take them out. As the game is played between Administrator Troy and Picard, Troy continues to demonstrate her loyalty by killing her own advisor, Luessi, who was dressed up as a rebel and tells Troy to free Beta Said. In the end, Troy admits when Picard leaves, her people will eventually kill her. She offers to be Picard's personal mind reader. Picard finally accepts her offer and refers to Troy as Inquisitor. Troy is not familiar with that title, but when she is told what it means, she rather likes it. She tells Picard her ambition has grown beyond Beta Zed. She wishes to live among the stars. Troy thinks back on all that went before, and she does not regret any of her decisions. She must be in the halls of galactic power, and she will stay here. Emperor Riker calls her name. Troy responds with due respect, with cleavage out on display. She thinks it is time to play the game. To be continued. Oh, actually, (laughs) not to be continued. Well, it'll be continued at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a one-off, so we get to find out that Troy is quite duplicitous. Go figure. Yeah, it kind of made me sad when I found out that she was, like, leader of the Beta Z planet, and it made me think that she probably killed her mom to get it. No. (laughs) Because you know her mom wouldn't have uh, given up power without without, uh, getting knocked off, so... Well, okay. So, Luxana, the mother... Okay, so I mean, she she's was never... the the whole the holder of the nine the five rings of Beta Z or whatever. Okay, does never she had president? all the no no, but I'm just saying, I I think I mean they mentioned something about the um, uh, the rings or something, so I kind of thought right. well maybe in this universe that meant uh, they were the leader. I oh. don't know, I don't know. I just they never mentioned the mom, so I just like no. Eh. 
I could see I could see in this mirror universe them both being or her, the mom being ambitious to take over everything. Yeah. And then Troy following suit. Right. I don't know. I was making up my own backpack story. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't tell me enough about how she came to power, so I wanted to fill that in myself. Yeah, and why it was so weak. Why, I mean, why Why did it seem like the, the Beta Zeds were going to revolt against her? I mean, they didn't give you any ideas why what, her government was so weak. Well, no, no. I mean, they said that they they think that she's rolling over and and siding with the maybe potentially the, the losing side. But, I mean, how did she get power if she has such a weak stance and not popular? Well, with people? okay. She came to power. That happened first. Right. We don't know how that. But we happened. don't know how she did it. I mean, was it election or was it like she, did she overthrow somebody? You know, we don't, I don't know. know. That's the I don't part know how I'm they saying. do things. Yeah. They 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 didn't go back that far in time. So they, they really focused on just telling us about uh, how she transitioned from, from, from being ba- essentially the the president, prime minister, whatever, of an entire planet to being Picard's inquisitor. Right. That's what they focused on. Yep. And yeah, I, I don't know how she came to power, but she was in power when the Empire came knocking. And rather than fighting, she basically... Uh, saw that she can personally benefit from this. And she said, oh, sure, we'll show you our belly. And then the Empire basically is calling the... Ultimately, they're calling the shots. And ultimately, they're probably getting taxation and tribute from the planet. And those resources are going to the Empire... And the lot of the uh, average Beta Z citizen is suffering for it. Right. I, it's like, that's what I got out of it. Yeah, no, I got that too. It was just, I, I didn't see how somebody who came to power would choose that and then also be un, un, that unpopular. You know what I mean? But, no, I totally get what you're saying. I just want more back backstory. <laughs> You want a couple issues of backstory on Troy. Because you love this issue so much. It was alright, yeah. <laughs> but you said you weren't correct. I said I liked the Picard one a lot better. Okay, okay. Fine. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was fine. Did I absolutely have to know this, the detail that's in here? Nah. Right. I didn't need to know this. But they gave it to us, and uh, I was kind of surprised that uh, Troy in this mirror universe was was the leader of the entire planet. That's and, and and if they had colonies somewhere, that too, I guess. Right. Um that's pretty impressive. Um and then and then basically because of her own ambition and screwing her people over, she has to get out of Dodge. And she knows she has to get out. And so she's playing this this mind game with Picard, trying to manipulate him and uh, and showing her worth and basically trying to get him to take her the heck out of there. Right. Yeah, and, and killing her own supporters on the way out. She she killed Lewis. Yeah. Uh, the, what, uh, main advisor or something? Right. And and everybody that she was with, right? I mean, it was... Well... The other they, rebels were... The, the fake rebels were killed as well. Exactly. I mean, this is the Terran Empire. Uh, I'm sure Picard and... And Tasha did not have their phasers set to stun. Right. Um, even though, hopefully, the troops, <laughs> hopefully uh, Troy's troops had their had their guns set to stun, but I really don't know. Good point. And, and why would you keep acting if you see the guy next to you actually get killed? Right. It's like, whoa! I didn't sign up for this. Yeah. yeah. That's, I don't that's, know. That's dedication to the craft. You ain't kidding. And, and exactly how much dedication uh, for Lewis, I wonder. Right? Right. Because yeah. what, I mean, so ahead of time, they make it, they have a scene where they're making it very clear that Troy is asking her to do certain things. Did she actually ask her to, ahead of time, accept the idea that you're going to die at my hand? Or was that something that she didn't say, Troy did not say to her? But she knew that was a piece of the puzzle that's going to 
finally prove to Picard to take her with her. Right. Yeah, no, it's now, crazy. And the way they, they did the flashback with with her saying, you know, uh, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And the flashback, and then in the current time, she's vaporizing her. Right, exactly. So She, she got taken care of, for sure. So, Troy is ambitious, uh, power-hungry, duplicitous, definitely manipulating, and she has no problem with uh, screwing over her own people and the people that are closest to her in her government. Not a nice person. Not nice. But fitting with the, uh, the rest of the Mirror War episodes with her in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's perfect. Makes perfect sense. The good people are evil. The evil people are good. Yeah. Although it so. would have been cool to see her with a goatee. <laughs> yes. So, uh, speaking of the artwork, what do mm-hmm. you think? I like. Let's it. talk about the artwork. Yeah, I liked it. It's you know, Angel Hernandez has done most of the issues, so these little one-offs uh, go to other people. This is mm-hmm. Megan Livins. I, yep. I think it's quite quite good. I think she did a very good job. Although I got to ask the question, and, and this is this just this is fine. This is a minor thing, but um, I, I'm not sure if it was Megan Levin's decision or maybe the uh, you know the author specified this. But the shuttle that Picard uses to come over to the space station, the Beta Z space station, is one of those stupid little. Next gen shuttles, mm-hmm. the ones that are about the same size as the original Taz shuttles, little cramped, very probably a very uh, didn't cost too much to make it, and probably didn't cost too much to store it when you weren't using them. That's probably why they they had such small shuttles, crappy looking little shuttles on next gen. But then they continue to use it in this comic book, which I guess that's consistent. But come on, if you're the Terran Empire. Wouldn't you have an arm shuttle? Would you have something a little bit more intimidating than that little shuttle? Yeah. I mean, I mean, those things were unarmed, and I don't know. It just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to fit the mirror universe. Right. Yeah, that's why I like that Shattered Dimensions um, video game. Okay. That was set in the Excelsior time and. So the Excelsior oh, gets right, 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 right. transported or t- transplanted into uh-huh. the Terran Empire, right? And uh, like Chekhov calls in, calls Sulu in from the uh, shuttle bay, and he's like, "Hey, uh, all of our shuttles have now turned into uh, one-man fighting craft." You know, uh-huh. kind of, and I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." Because yeah. yeah, why would why would they have exploratory vessels? You would have sure. little fighter craft, unarmed little shuttles. Yeah. I mean, you you got to get a small number of people and very small number of people and stuff from place to place. There are practical considerations, but uh, come on, it's a mere universe. You want to have some nastiness to it, some teeth. Now, I'm not that familiar with the uh, Stargazer. I never had a model or anything of it, but Mm -hmm. is that what it looks like with the nacelles and stuff? Because I thought those nacelles kind of looked like... uh, Mm -hmm. You know, like the uh, first contact type nacelles, you know, the sovereign class nacelles, not oh, necessarily think so? the next generation ones. Uh, okay, so um, I do have uh, two models of of that ship, and basically, what they what it it, it looks a lot like. Four nacelles off of the Enterprise A. Okay. Taws. Then this would match that. So it's it's more like like Taws nacelles. And when you look at the uh, you know the saucer section too, that isn't too far off of um, of a Taws saucer section with extra bits in the back. Okay. Um, you know, or kind of elongated in the back, so that you got shuttle bays and that kind of stuff. All right, cool. Yeah. So yeah, it's. I'm looking at the first one where where they actually shows that there's damage in the upper left nacelle that that drawing. Mm-hmm. And you know, from a distance, 
I guess it's it, it's fa- it's faithful to how it's been de- depicted in the past, kinda, pretty much, kinda. So anyway, it's sideways. So they're all they're oriented sideways. Right. So, which is a little different, a little odd. But I think it's a, it's a cool design because basically, uh, I guess they have four nacelles, so that's really fast and it's got redundancy for long range missions. I think that was the idea. So kind of cool that they used Taw's movie era ish engines for that and oriented it sideways, which is different. Right. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Tying in the old generation with the new. Yeah. But uh, yeah, good good drawings. Enjoyed it. Yeah, especially Troy. I think I mean she nailed her look. I mean, a lot of times Troy will just have a certain look on her face mm-hmm. here in this issue, and I'm like, oh yeah, that looks just like uh, Troy from the show. Yeah, it really looks like the actress, and the and the outfits they got her in are pretty cool looking. They're pretty good. I mean, right. they, they they went to some some trouble in in designing those uh, dresses. Right. Yeah, they're not just all the same. She's not wearing the same thing throughout the issue. And right. I thought it was kind of cool because in all the covers, she's wearing the same ish, same outfit she wears in the first and the last page of the book, which you don't normally see that in covers. You yeah. Know, nowadays, when it they're sending, you know, when when we get like three different covers from three different authors that. Mm-hmm. Or artists that may or may not have even read the book or know what's going to be in the book. <laughs> right. Um, so I, I thought it was really cool that she's wearing the exact same dress, that one with the huge shoulder pads uh, or pointy shoulder shoulder pads, whatever they are. They right. <laughs> poke your eye out if you get too close to her shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, it, and, and, it, and let me let me correct something. I I mistakenly said the first cover was by J.K. Woodward. I think. And of course, that's not right. It's it's Megan Levins. Oh, okay. Well, then so, she would definitely know why the uh, issue looks the same. Well, exa- so that's part of the reason, right? <laughs> so the person that did the internal artwork did the uh, did the cover. So. Oh, and the other two covers, yeah, she doesn't look at all the same. So okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that middle one by uh, Ajiwa. Yeah, I'm not a fan. That's a very interesting one. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. She's got a lot of hair. Yeah, and the weird uh, square earring. Oh. Looks very uncomfortable. Oh, wow. That's I didn't even notice that. That it, that looks like uh, a part to a very complicated uh, sink plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> that is big. Yeah, and with all that hair, I can just see that getting pulled out. Yeah. And then for whatever reason, the uh, the last one, the one by uh, Tom Ralston, mm-hmm. she just looks older, like much, much older than she would have been in this t- in this issue. Uh, a little older, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know. She's definitely just, unhappy. Yeah, and if it's just the light that makes it look like gray hair, or if it's supposed to be just shiny, I don't mm, know. But I just probably shiny. I look at it, and I'm like, oh, she. That's what she looks like in Picard. Which would be like forty ah. years after this issue, so that she, wouldn't she make sense. She doesn't look that much. She doesn't look that old. Yeah. Well, that's all I have to say about this one. You got anything? Uh, nope. Just cool seeing Yar. Oh yeah, good point. Yar is back. Right. So did she die because of the skin of evil? In this universe, I don't know. Yeah. But it was cool seeing her. Yeah. Board the Stargazer. Mm-hmm. And, and they are calling it Stargazer again. So uh, that one issue of the mirror, the first mirror, next gen issue, where it was set during uh, his time aboard the Star Crusher. Uh, oh, that was it. That Star was Crusher. or Starbreaker. 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 I think that's what it was. Yeah. So I mean, much that was, more appropriate name. That was by the Tiptons who were masterminding this whole mirror war thing. So I don't know why they didn't keep keep with that name because I like that a lot better they should have I agree they should have done that Star Crusher sounds like a, a Star Wars thing oh, yeah. Star Crusher base okay <laughs> alright you ready for Picard Stargazer again that's true 
A different stargazer, though. Exactly. Or is it? Alright, so uh, this issue came out August 2022. Alright, so it's written by Kristen Bayer and Mike Johnson. Art by Angel Hernandez. Colors by J.D. Mittler. Letters by Neil Yutaki. Edits by Heather Antos. Editorial assist by Vanessa Real. There is three covers. The first one is by Angel Hernandez, which is just a close-up of Picard's face, like an extreme close-up. And then um, there's like a star field behind, uh, kind of superimposed, uh, along with some planets there towards the bottom. The second cover is by Megan Levins, who, who did the uh, Troy issue that we just talked about. And this shows Picard sitting on a, a comfy wicker chair holding a a glass of wine uh, petting his pit bull number one looking up at the stars literally stargazing and then the uh, third cover is by lena kangas and it shows kind of a very stylized uh, picture of picard looking over his shoulder at, at you the reader and then behind him we we see the stargazer um, if you look at this cover from a distance, it kind of looks like uh, uh, Aia from um, Star Trek The Motion Picture and not Picard. So. I thought it looked like something else. Uh, like Jeff Bezos or something? <laughs> oh, a third. Okay, a fourth thing then. <laughs> he looked a little bit like Kwai Jang Kane on Kung Fu. Oh, I could see that. I could David Carradine. Yeah. Kung Fu. I just had to say that. <laughs> But anyways, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. Picard with the complete bald head is still, even though we're about to start the third season, still takes some uh, getting used to. Alright, so the story starts off with Commander Seven of Nine, and she's putting the finishing touches on a very delicate ceasefire agreement between two factions of blue-furred aliens. Uh, the talks suddenly go unexpectedly wrong when the two leaders want to take credit for being the most grateful for Seven's help. So despite Seven's attempts to calm everybody down, they both decide to re-declare war against the other one, and they immediately order attacks on the other factions. The simulation ends, and that leaves Seven of Nine and Picard on the holodeck. Picard tells her that this is his new Kobayashi Maru scenario that he's created for her. Seven acts like Starfleet is just not a good fit for her, and she leaves the holodeck saying that the Fenris Rangers handle diplomatic relations much differently. We flash forward to one month later. Picard is at his chateau when Laris informs him yet again that there is a call from Starfleet, and he tells her to just take a message. So uh, later, he and Laris are talking, and he says that he does not want to answer to Starfleet, but Laris reminds him that he still has the passion to be out there among the stars. And if he doesn't want to do it for Starfleet, then he should do it for himself. So we flash forward a little bit later, and Picard has joined a mission aboard the new USS Stargazer to revisit the planet Genjor 6. He was last here decades ago, uh, which then fades into a flashback. So we're now aboard the original USS Stargazer with a fully-haired Picard wearing classic Season 1 Next Generation uniforms. They are visiting the pre-warp civilization of Jinjor 6. Uh, suddenly a Romulan ship decloaks and demands that they leave. Since the planet is an, an unclaimed territory, neither the Romulans nor the Federation really have any claim over the uh, planet, and both sides know it. The Romulan commander does threaten war over the planet, but Picard knows that she only wants it for a material called Cilicium, which is in the planet. Picard proposes to share some coordinates to a nearby asteroid belt where there is plenty of Cilicium in exchange that the Romulan Empire leaves this planet untouched and allows them to advance as they 
originally were going to. Uh, the Romulan commander agrees and leaves. So we're now back in the present. The new Stargazer arrives to see that Jinjor 6 is now a lifeless husk. Picard and a small away team beam down in EV suits to investigate. They are suddenly unexpectedly attacked by armor-clad humanoids wearing full-body armor in land vehicles. Picard is aided by yet another alien, also wearing body armor, who addresses Picard by name. So this new arrival is able to get Picard and one of the other um, away mission members away. Um, and as they're in relative safety, Picard asks how he knows of him. Suddenly Seven arrives holding a BFG, almost as big as she is, and says that there's some problems that Starfleet is just not equipped to solve. To be continued. But I guess if you're equipped with a BFG like that, you can. Yeah, you that is something. Shoot that that is a big one. Face off. So, so is her? So she's holding this thing. Is that under her arm? It's got to be under her arm. Or is her or, arm like through it? Is there like or, a big hole in it? I don't know. <laughs> okay, so her arm's down, and next to so her shoulder's up against it. And then her arm goes through the bottom part of it and comes over. Yeah, maybe it's there's big. Like, maybe there's like a cradle and it's just like like she sticks both her forearm and her bicep into it to hold on to it. Right. I don't I don't see how it would work. And I don't see how <laughs> she would hold it up. It yeah, looks heavier it, than her. It looks very heavy. So, I mean, this thing is even bigger than Carl Urban's Doom movie BFG. This thing is big. Right. Big, big, big. I mean, yeah, so uh, when when somebody, you know, they look like they were going to, you know, buy the farm, whatever, and then and then these guys on the, the little, the small moving craft with uh, weapons on them gets hit by a big beam, and it's like, well, where the heck did that big beam come from? And uh, we see it's seven. Yeah, because the, the gun just holding it still smoking. Hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't really realize that it was a single beam that destroyed the, the landing craft. Mm. But I guess I guess it was. I guess it was seven. Yeah, I guess. So her partner, one of the other Fenris Rangers, Hero, um, who has like like weird red hair. He's an alien, right? When when he when he meets Picard and and Captain Makara. He says to them, please to make your acquisition. So, you know, so obviously they use the word acquisition on purpose, and they even bolded the text to make sure you saw it was acquisition. Uh, so what do you think they meant by that word choice? Was that just something different, you know, rather than saying, hey? Yeah, instead of acquaintance. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Acquisition. So is it supposed to be like, oh, you're an alien, so you're... You're, what you're going to say in English is going to be a little off. Anyway, right. I just thought it was odd. Yeah. Uh, it is weird. So we get to see Picard again with hair. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning. A lot of hair. <laughs> but still, it looks thin. I like that. Yeah, it's that same wig that he wore in that flashback <laughs> with... Um, with He had that dream with Troy, with Crusher... When when Jack died, yeah, and it was just him in that wig. Okay, right. So it's kind of it has kind of a Kirk comeback, kind of sort of. Um, but you know, it looks like his hair is thin, right? Which makes sense for somebody who's going to lose it before too long, right? But but that's good. I, I did not remember the episode, so that was a TNG episode. Obviously. Yeah, a TNG episode. Okay, right. Yeah, because it, it's one of the ones that causes some confusion with the uh, with the fans as to when the um, the maroon Wrath of Khan uniform goes out of style and is replaced by the TNG uh, season one because there's an episode with Jack Crusher right before he dies and he's mm -hmm. wearing the maroon one mm -hmm. and we see that the Enterprise C they're wearing the maroon one. 
you know, a variation of it. Right. But but more like that than than the next gen. And then yet in this in this flashback episode, they're wearing the TNG season one uniform. So then it was just like, okay, so before Jack died, they did transition to these next generation season one uniforms. Yeah, that is confusing. So consistency. But uh, so I mean, it's cool that they got some reuse from the season one pajamas. <laughs> uh, I'm 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 sure Patrick Stewart's back was not happy about that. Yeah, he only had to be in it for a little bit. Right. But yeah, this is definitely the hairstyle he had in that in that episode. Which makes me wonder, is that the was that the original wig they were gonna have him wear back when season one was gonna be filmed? <sighs> and they decided at the last minute to just let him Where Roddenberry or somebody wanted him to to do it in in a hairpiece. And speaking of French accent, so he was hired with the understanding that he was going to do a French accent and wear a hairpiece, and then oh. by the time it started, they were like, eh, just use your normal voice and normal hair. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, thank God they did, because I can't imagine Picard any other way. No. With the, even though that would make a lot more sense. Yeah, so people in Europe, I'm sure they reacted on first thing as like, <laughs> what? He's supposed to be French, and he's... Got an English accent. What the hell's going on? Don't those stupid Americans know what French people sound like? <laughs> nah, we really don't care. Well, as we know now with Picard, that he spent some time in in London. No, oh, there you go. That's enough to uh, lose your uh, your childhood accent. Exactly. Would you believe it? Some people say to me that even to this day, I sound like I kind of, sort of have a Chicago accent. Uh, Even though I left the place when I was 12? You definitely have kept it up. Yeah. <laughs> ah, there you go. There you go. But Picard apparently did not. Okay. Or it's just that's how the Universal Translator makes us hear it. Ah, that's it. No, I saw this great little meme where it showed like the Universal Translator going out, and then it had uh, had the word balloon on Picard speaking French. Mm-hmm. And then Riker was speaking English, like I don't understand what you're saying. And then Data is speaking beep boop beep boop beep beep boop. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, I thought it was one. so funny. That's good. But, uh, and, and it's true, because yeah, I mean, uh, if everybody would just be speaking their native languages, if you had a universal translator that would just do the work for you. Yeah, I like yeah. the mission that that Picard went on in this. Yeah, and I like that he got to pick it, right? He, want, mm-hmm. he They want him back so bad, he gets to pick what he wants to do, and he wants to revisit this planet that he visited 30 That's right, 30 a win-win. Ago. Yeah. No, I so love it. Made sense. And he got it, the ship that he wanted. Sense. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the idea that we came back uh, to Picard as the head, uh, or the, what was he, the assistant head, or the the vice um, administrator of Starfleet Academy. Mm-hmm. Is that what he was? So does this take place? This takes place after season two. So this is after after uh, Rios is gone, right? Yep. Right. Right. Yeah, we didn't see the Stargazer itself, the new version, until uh, we saw Rios as the captain of it. Right. Yeah, so I guess after Rios is this Andorian woman. Um, you said her name was Captain what? Uh, M- Makara. Okay. Yeah, so I thought having Picard go out on on something like this to be much more what I would want to see than him being, you know, what the Chancellor. What what, what do they call? What do they call the head of Starfleet Academy? Yeah, I don't know, I, I don't know what they call it, but whatever. Rather than him, now, mind you, that that makes perfect sense too. It's just that blah, bland, <laughs> making speeches to the to the academy students. Right. Eh, this is much more that I would want to see Picard doing. Right. But I mean, he didn't do that for very long because there's not a lot of space in between season one and season two, so he didn't do it for long. Whatever he was doing there at Starfleet Academy. Right. Right. As a robot, which they never bring up. I mean, it's just like, come on. 
He's not the same person anymore. I mean, we keep pretending like he's still the same Picard, but he, he's a robot duplicate. But supposedly, supposedly everything that made Picard Picard was transferred. Oh. Was copied. Maybe his mind, but what about his soul? Well. Or do they not believe in souls in the future? Uh, I think, in except for a few things, uh, where Deep Space Nine... Uh, like Kira uh, was a very religious person. They 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 go pretty pretty light on the religion, right? In uh, in Star Trek, unless you're a Greek god or something, <laughs> then that's real. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> Apollo, <laughs> sure. So, anyways, yeah, it just or seems Adonis. like he's, he's jumping jumping careers quite a bit in between each season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe this is a one-off. I mean, the, the, the idea that he's pouty-pouty and doesn't want anything to do with uh, with Starfleet, period, at the beginning of this story, right. I thought was, oh, again, again, I mean, come on. Right. In the end, yeah, why? Why do you have to be pouty like this? And it's fine, you know. They, yeah, they, they yeah. don't want everything to appear too easy or whatever. They Oh, this is serious stuff, but still. So is he pouty-pouty because he couldn't get Seven to stay in Starfleet again? I, I don't know. I don't... I would hope not. I, I would really hope like, that isn't I the reason. I didn't really like that. I, I didn't like that she, she... Why can't she fit in with uh, Starfleet? That makes no sense. She spent, what, seven years, whatever, on, on Voyager? I guess four uh -huh. years. But still, I don't know. I don't. I, that's the one thing about Seven and Picard that I don't like is that she acts like I could never exist in a Starfleet world. What are you talking about? You thrived and you did on the Voyager. Yeah, of course she wasn't accepted at first, but that eventually changed. Right. But then, yeah. So then, so if this is taking place before, then I mean, I know I've seen her in a red uniform in in the show, right? Or in the trailers for the show? So... What, for this latest season? Yeah, for season three. Yeah. So and, and maybe she changes her mind. Yeah. You know, by, by, by the time we get to the end of this book, maybe she realizes, I mean, you know, so they're driving home at the beginning of this book, she doesn't think she fits into Starfleet anymore, or ever. And then at the end of the issue, definitely the same thing. Some things that Starfleet can't solve. Okay, so this is my world. This is this is where I should be. This is my destiny. Right. This is my density. And then maybe by the end of this this book series, she'll be like, eh, Starfleet, maybe. Yeah, I hope so. And then, and then by the time the the new season starts up, she will be there on a ship. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I love expanded media, but mm -hmm. sometimes it seems like the expanded media doesn't quite fit in well with with what's in the show which is which i know is not true because it's written by well, Catherine bear yeah and so it's going to fit somehow but we just don't know we don't know the details yet yeah and and this is a book specifically made to bridge the gap between seasons right so i think the objective of this is that in the end it's going to tee up the next season so it's going to be consistent with it i think yeah, we just have to get it's there. Just, we just have we, to... And we have to watch you know, the next season. <laughs> there you go, exactly. We don't even know where... They're going to tee it up, and they're going to give you every reason they can come up with to, to tune in. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, but the one story I do want to know is what happened to uh, Laris's husband. Oh. I, I hate that he well, just they... died off screen and no explanation. Well, how about, how about her in general? I mean... Yeah, they are get they rid lovers of husband. anymore? Huh? Uh, is she and Picard lovers right now? Because they don't act like it here in these these few pages. No, no. So, so they got rid of the husband to tee up some kind of love interest thing uh, in the last season of Picard, and it was like, okay, they kind of teed it up. Uh, he kind of kind of rejected her, kind of, sort of, as a knee-jerk reaction, but maybe he doesn't want to do that, blah, blah, blah. 
And then now, in this bridge thing for the next season, uh, you know, she's still dangling there. Um, and then you see Gates McFadden's going to be in the next season. So it's like, are they going to finally give us what everybody wants, which is Picard getting together with Dr. Crusher? Are right. you going to give us that, what the fans want? We all want it. Uh, and then wh- where's, where's that lead, Loris? It's like, yeah, oh, my God. She's going to die off screen again, just like her <laughs> husband. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, anyway. Anyways, that has nothing to do with this issue, though. No. No. But, well, a little bit, but right. no. So, all in all, I really enjoyed this issue. Set up a lot of good good questions. Uh, can't wait for more. Yep. Whereas the Mirror Universe one, the Troy one... Mm-hmm. Again, was a good story. Set up a lot of questions, but I know they're not going to get answered because nobody else probably cares about, <laughs> about how Troy got the power. <laughs> exactly. he just well, you do. A- ask too many questions you that they weren't going to gonna ever answer. Yeah. Well, one last thing I want to say about this is um, the artwork mm-hmm. um, is reminding me... Uh, um, of the of Star Trek JJ verse ongoing comic books, um, I, I I guess uh, Angel Hernandez did did artwork for there too, them right. too. Yeah, I think so. But um, some of the art style definitely reminds me of that. And then the spacesuits that they're using at the end, where it all is skin tight and everybody looks skinny, mm-hmm. and and even the helmets. I mean, that completely reminds me of um, what they were using the JJ verse. That's true. Uh, Starfleet outfits. I do like the big delta, the Starfleet delta in the chest, like a like, like a in superhero the uniform. Oh, <laughs> good point. It that does look like a like a Superman, Batman, whatever. Yeah, you never see it in the middle of their chest in Star Trek. No, you're right. You're right. Good point. I really hadn't noticed that. But yeah, definitely uh, Angel Hernandez has a style where the, especially when they're on the bridge of the ships, the backgrounds mm-hmm. are kind of all one color and washed out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But okay, so okay, so I look forward to the next issue also to find out who, who, who are all these guys in the uh, attack craft, right? On, you know, on, on the planet. And was seven? I mean, do they need spacesuits? Because What's his name? Hero. He takes his off, and Seven's not wearing one. So that's a good Picard question. And, that's a very good question. Captain wearing full EV suits with a visor and everything. I did not even think of that. That's a very good point. Yeah, I was wondering if they were gonna, because when he took it off to say who he was, I was like, okay, so maybe it's not as bad as we think. Hmm. So I don't know. What under underground in the caverns they're more protected or something? Oh, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Ah, we'll see. We we gotta wait a couple of weeks and we'll get to what, read the next one. Okay, sounds good. Uh, so what are we doing next week, kid? Well, my friend, we're going to do two very special issues. One is the quote four hundredth issue of Star Trek, which is going to need some explanation, some clarification, and then we got our first lower decks issue. Yay. We'll do Yay. both. Lower decks. So what's the deal with the 400th issue, Donovan? Uh, it's the 400th issue that IDW has published. Now, is that for real? Yeah, I think so. Really? 400? It seems like they've done more. Well, you, you, you're more than welcome to go count them up, kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is the 400th Star Trek issue across all the different uh, ongoing miniseries, one-offs... Yep. 400th. 400th. And Donovan, how many different stories are in there? I believe there's six. Six stories from yeah. all over the Star right. Trek universe. Yeah, there's no Calhoun, so don't get too excited. Oh, it'd be cool to see Calhoun. You know, I would like to see Calhoun again. Yeah. Captain Calhoun. I mean, I wonder if he exists in the Picard universe, this, the new CD, CBS All Access universe. Uh, Did he question. make the cut after Coda? Well, I don't know. I just don't know. But so many of those things that they they can bring in if they want to. 
Sure. They just don't want to be beholding, beholden to the expanded universe, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, they just get to fine-tune it. Pick what they want. Right. So, uh, and speaking of expanded universe, the new Picard novel just came out, so I'm looking forward to reading that. Mm-hmm. Second Self? Something like that? Right. So maybe that's going to tie in with his, uh, you know, being an android stuff. Oh! Oh, good point. I didn't think about that. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week with, uh, again, we're caught up, so we're just going to be reading these books as they come out. So uh, It's not going to be a series like we were having before unless we pause and do something else for a while. Exactly. And I still want to, I still want to claim victory here. <laughs> At some point. There you go. Well, we got it. So on October blah, blah, blah of 2022, uh, we claim victory. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll be back next week. See you next time on The Review. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, stcomic, second name, book review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.